Hello, everybody, and welcome to Peaks Chats. This is Magellan. It's Wednesday, my dudes, and I wanted to start this episode off by reminding you that this is actually the second half of this week's content, which began with the episode we released on Sunday. We decided to split the episode in half this week because we figured it would just be easier on all of you. If that's the case, let us know. If instead you preferred when the two episode discussions were in a single file, we'd love to hear that as well. We just want to make sure we're releasing the show in the way that you all prefer to have it hit your feeds. That's all I've got for now, so let's get into the episode. second episode we watched this week was The One-Armed Man. It was directed by Tim Hunter and written by Robert Engels. It aired May 3rd, 1990. And Magellan, can you please tell me uh, what happened in this episode? Sure. In this episode of Twin Peaks, Cooper questions Dr. Jacoby, who suspects Leo Johnson is the killer. Gordon Cole, Cooper's supervisor, calls in with Albert's report. Josie Packard spies on Ben Horn and Catherine Martell. Hawk tracks down the one-armed man. First of all, I need to be summary. Hawk is not the only one who tracks down the one-armed Oh, no, he's the <laughs> one who starts the investigation. That's fine. Yeah. And second of all, uh, Majon, I need some help. I need a, okay. I need someone. Okay. Uh, I love this. Sh- you know, Madeline is a twin of Laurel Palmer. We need a twin. For the second half of our episode this week, we're joined by a special guest, and I hope he lets me be his daughter again. It's Nick of the Brothers at Infinite War. Hey, Nick. Are you you good? You sound a little weird, my friend. (laughs) No, I am fine. That was not edited afterwards, folks. <laughs> oh, okay, I uh, I switched mics. Is it is it better now? It's better now. You sound great. There's some weird interference that, going on. The, the other mic was uh, on a laptop in another dimension or something. Uh, okay, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah. Well, welcome back. Let, to the show, I, we, we let Alan enjoy that uh, cold. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. We didn't play that for Alan ahead of time. Uh, this uh, is Nick's triumphant return to the main feed. Nick has joined me on a handful of uh, the Chats Files episodes, which have been a delight. And I think this is the first time we've had you here since we piloted the X Files and we're talking about the Battle on Five spinoff Crusade. Uh, it must have been 20 years ago or something at this point. A million years. Yeah. I think it was. Well, like I was going to spit it into the million years, thousand years ago, the lens speech. Yeah. Sounds yeah. about right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but it's good to have you back. Yeah. We've had quite a, a, there's been quite a collection of shows since then. Yeah. Um, and actually, I, 
in in spirit of that, I I do have an alternate BNL title if you want it. Oh, oh a little chat file feature. Yeah. Our usual chats file. Wait, wait, wait. I have the uh, I have the clip for that. Hold on. If you want to understand that, please uh, go over to patreon.com slash chatspod and that'll make more sense. Uh, what, what is it? The power of that soundboard. It can just, it can do anything. Uh, <laughs> the uh, My alternate title for this one is Enid, which is the word dine backwards, oh, as in the diner. That's really good. Oh, go. shit. that's really good. It goes oh, on many yeah. levels. And now we can pretend that Enid was actually subtly a, a, a secret... Uh, uh, Twin Peaks wow. reference before Twin Peaks came out, I think. Wow. Yeah. There you go. That's really good. Oh. Um, <laughs> so that's the kind of quality that Nick is going to be bringing all episode long uh, to this fine show. Um, so we gave you the option of coming on for the first half or the second half. What made you choose this episode and what did you think about it overall? You know, I had seen um, all the first season and a few until season two and i just hadn't come back to finishing it there and it, that mid-season you know it kind of blends together in memory so it yeah. wasn't really that i had a particular episode like oh this was the standout episode oh, i'll go for that i was just mm-hmm. like oh which episodes are in there you know uh roughly when you guys are recording i was like okay one our man okay sure i'll take it <laughs> sounds, uh, sounds like something happens in that one yeah, it's not like something happens. At least yeah. I know that, you know, maybe an arm gets blown off and I forgot. No, no, it's not not quite that. You know. Yeah. Um, but uh no, it's it it's a it's a you know, it's quality is is, is good and, and as that whole middle section of just you're finding more things out and things are being revealed and you're mm-hmm. you're following along with the mystery. So you know, yeah, it's a good episode. Yeah, Alan, what do you think of this one? By the way, for those keeping score at home, Nick is the fourth guest on uh, Peaks Chats and uh, who has not finished season two, and the third who tried it and gave up. Um, so when we get there, you're all sticking with us two episodes a week, and you're gonna love it. I I, I was specifically thrilled when you guys announced that you're doing Twin Peaks because it was like gonna give me that excuse to come back to it oh, because good. I knew uh, that you guys talking about okay, yes, season two drags, but you know. It, people liking still the ending fire walk with me i've heard a lot of good things about that mm-hmm. a lot of people mm-hmm. really like it uh and certainly the return the return is one of the best television events of all time yeah i know i know it also my understanding is it also drags quite a bit but it's like just like a everything's building 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 and then satisfactory yes. conclusion i guess uh, I guess again, I don't know the details of it, but that's just my impression. So yeah. I know I have stuff to look forward to. I just need that. Uh, uh, you know, I only have so much TV viewing in the week, and uh, chance is taking up a, a chunk of it. And hey, it's that one show I want to finish anyway. So I love fantastic. it, and I'm happy to have you with us, and I'm excited to get there. Um, but oh, last thing I want to say for people who follow us on Twitter, a hundred percent of the chats gifts. The like cleverly edited chats gifts are from Nick at Martian yes, and Human's yes. Body. So uh, just as a pre-plug, if you get it, you can do a plug later. But that's entirely on 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 Nick for making those amazing pieces of chats content. Anyways, uh, can you tell I don't want to talk about the one-armed man? It's kind of a decent episode. <laughs> Does Twin Peaks know what it wants to be right now? I feel like we're doing good things and we're doing bad things, but we're already like we're already sagging and we're in like episode four. What's mm. it going on? What, what what about this episode felt that way to you? 
the mic the mic stuff and the parrot stuff specifically uh felt like such <laughs> just like uh we need something new like the fact the part when albert is like uh, or Gordon calls and is like, Albert determined that it's a parrot. And they're like, oh my God, it's a parrot. And I'm like, none of this, ugh, none of this matters. Even if I didn't know more about the story, like, and I was watching this for the first time, right? I'd yeah. still be like, okay, what does knowing that she has bite marks from a parrot, like, what does that, it tells us that it's related to Jacques Renault. That's the, that's the ultimate conclusion of this episode. Um, mm-hmm. And so now they're going to go after him or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it It definitely, this episode, more than previous ones, feels like they know what nugget of information they want the episode to end on, which is like, send our squad to One-Eyed Jacks, send them to Jacques Renault, dig into that stuff more. They know that that's where they want the crew to be directed by the end of the episode, and then the middle of the episode is, and we're just going to kind of... And Cooper even says at one point, sometimes the shortest path between two points isn't a straight line, which is a ridiculous justification <laughs> for we wrote an episode that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And we're just going to do it. Um, but it it falls in line with the show kind of being a, a detective story, but also really just being a send up of detective stories or a purposefully confused and strange detective story. So it makes sense, but it it's frustrating as a viewer because you want for things to matter. Um, and not everything in this episode matters. And I, I think obviously, um, us watching it in the, uh, you can watch it at your own pace. It's already, you know, all the mm-hmm. episodes are there. I can imagine back on the original airing, um, there's a certain amount of patience to get through the, the middling right. episodes. Right. Right. Week to week. And then the whole, yeah. Uh, quickest way in a short and a straight line but i just now i got flashbacks to uh andy and and harry both giving different uh, estimated times how long do you I, get have, there? I have 30 I have minutes and 10 minutes depends on how you drive like yeah does andy does he drive like an old lady or is, <laughs> or is harry just you know just you know he's the sheriff he can just speed how much he wants right he just turns the siren on and he can just he can just book it um, I have that clip just so we can hear Andy's delivery because it's really good. Traveling east on Highway 12, how long will it take us to reach the Timber Falls Motel? Half an Ten hour. Minutes. Depends how you go. <laughs> He's so like, mad. Depends He's so ready. I, 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 I love Andy, but then really is like he, he can't see anything without crying, can't shoot a gun, doesn't yes. know how to drive, and other things that he can't do that I won't talk about until later episodes. yes right um i the one thing that i loved about this episode was the amount of andy and lucy that we got um and just how funny this one is i think that they're some of my favorite comedy moments happened in this one um so at least you know for that purpose i ended up liking this one a lot and it starts pretty strong with the comedy one of the early things that happens is truman and hawk uh, and andy come into the the police station and Lucy's watching invitation to love. Um, and we get a great invitation to love clip and a great line from her, which goes like this. Invitation to love. Don't fight it, Chet. You know, as well as I, there's still something between us. There always will be. For God's sake, Emerald. That may be true, but I'm married to your sister now. <laughs> it's wrong. Well, 
Mommy, you always said you could never tell us apart, so... Morning, Lucy. What's going on? Uh, thanks to Jay, Jared decided not to kill himself. And he's changed his will, leaving the towers to Jade instead of Emerald. But Emerald found out about it, and now she's trying to seduce Chet to give her the new will so that she can destroy it. Montana's planning to kill Jared at midnight, so the towers will belong to Emerald and Montana. But I think she's going to double-cross him, and he doesn't know it yet. Poor Chet. What's going on here? Uh, Agent Cooper's in the conference room with Dr. Jacoby. I love the look on the sheriff's face on that. Like, as soon as she starts <laughs> yeah. talking, he's like... Well, I'm just going to have to let her finish, I guess. <laughs> she's going to talk. <laughs> I can't make this end. Yeah, but she's a sweet. She's so sweet, though. Yeah. I love her. It's funny because Sheriff Truman, come on, man. You're literally one of the characters in that plot. <laughs> like, your your girlfriend is the widow of the mill owner who's going to be screwed over by these people who are screwing each other over. Like, you're living it, bud. So don't don't pretend like you're better than these soap operas. Yeah, and then, of course, the... Uh, um, isn't this no it's the previous episode i think where uh, which has like yeah it, we see them watching and it's the talk it introduces all oh, about the actress playing the twins yeah right. and then we then we get into to maddie showing up there uh mm-hmm. just really just showing yeah it's it's just a different tone but there's equally silly parts of it but i was reading up on that i don't know if you guys talked about in the previous uh a little there. bit but we're a curious little bit what, but but I, I, I guess like that uh, I guess Lynch didn't like that stuff so much, so he kind of uh, he's the reason that we don't get much of the invitation to love stuff in season two. Um, invitation to love was... is a Mark Frost thing, yeah. Yeah, it's a yeah. Mark Frost thing. I guess it was his friends they were off uh, recorded them together and just kind of had fun with it. I don't know. I thought it was. I thought it was. That's kind of cute. Uh, yeah, exactly. I don't need a lot of it. I'm not like, oh, it, that. That's why season two drags <laughs> because it's a lack of additional <laughs> love. It's not that, but uh, I, I, I would have been nice to see that. Even in, I guess it's not in the return then. Like yeah. from that, it would have been funny yeah. if it did show up. Right. It's in its fortieth season by uh, by the time <laughs> that happens. There's also another like quick comedy moment towards the beginning that uh, sets up this this plot between Andy and Lucy where Lucy's mad and Andy doesn't know why. And this is the first part of it. Lucy. Why couldn't I spend the night last night? Will you be having coffee? Deputy Brennan? Hell yeah. <laughs> I just love that. And that it's not, it's not answered in this episode either. Um, the episode, you know, commits a lot of time to them having these interactions uh, that are just, icy and everybody else is like whoa andy what's going on with you and the lady um but they never they never answer it for us in this one if you want some andy and lucy content you can do what i do did and watch the international pilot oh really Hmm. yeah i so i found it on the on the blu-ray that i have for the whole series that i was just talking about in part one and uh the first like 70 minutes of it are identical to the actual the pilot that we watched they added 20 minutes at the end. We talked about this before um, in an attempt to to wrap up the mystery in case the show didn't get picked up for series. So they're mm-hmm. like, this is how it could theoretically end in 90 minutes. It's terrible. Um, all of most of those shots are just brought into episode three in Cooper's dream sequence. Like all the stuff where you're like, I am Mike and this is Bob, blah, blah, blah. That stuff's all just shot in, in like the it's kind of cool to learn more about it, though, and to see it not in um, like in a dream. Like that that weird basement that Bob is in, we actually just realized that that's in the hospital, 
and that's neither here nor there because it's no longer canon technically but like yeah that weird basement is it's in the hospital and like cooper goes down cooper and truman go downstairs in the hospital and like fight him and they like fight bob and it sucks and i hate it (laughs) (laughs) but um the reason i mentioned the international pilot is the way they introduce that stuff is so the the pilot the real pilot ends with sarah palmer seeing the vision of somebody taking the necklace right and she also has like seen images of bob um they segue that by lucy receiving a call from leland in her home and she's in this like silk pink nightgown it's very like silly though it's not sexual it's very like she's in like her mom's nightgown and Uh andy's on the couch next to her playing the 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 trumpet he's just like trumpet (laughs) and she's playing like um racket not racket ball the one where it's like the, the ball on the stick she's just playing i think it's a sexual joke guys like i think that's the joke here he's playing the trumpet and she's playing racquetball but she's just doing that and then he leland calls and he's like hey can you tell the, the sheriff that like my wife had a dream and she's like yeah i guess and he's like do it right now please please put him like put him through it's urgent and then the implication is like andy just comes so- over and they hang out <laughs> It's so weird, but I mean, I guess it, it could have been worse. Instead of a, instead of a trumpet, it could have been a, a rusty trombone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Nick. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Oh, boy. oh boy, that's so. Where's the the soundboard? Doesn't have like a. Like, come on. Uh, oh, it does. It does. It does. You're you're looking for one of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course it um, but yeah, that, that's the only takeaway from the international pilot. I just want to bring that up because Andy uh, and Lucy content is few and far between and it's always good. Um, yes. But yeah, they're yes. fighting. Agreed. I think it works well in this episode just as much as like everything else. We're just learning more. And like now we got this other mystery, right? Like why yeah. why is she upset? But of course. Uh, <laughs> that's the real mystery in the show. Yeah. <laughs> it's why is Lucy upset with Andy. Yeah. yeah. But uh, uh, you know, of course, uh, Coop there. Uh, is the one who's very observant always and he's just like why is she mad <laughs> like uh always uh he's picking up on he's, everyone's tells right i away. said he's i super, said this he's in super part calm, one exactly right? i said this in part one he's ultra perceptive yeah, yeah. and then i think yeah you know, yeah in this one where they they go off and do the the shooting range and mm-hmm. and they're like right. oh he missed and he's like no 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 i just sh- shot back through the same holes and made a little smiley face like i am a super cop <laughs> so creepy oh my god so creepy when cooper does that um yeah we can let's just talk about all the all the cop stuff real quick because i I think that's like a cohesive plot and that's where all these comedy moments happen i think my my favorite laugh of the episode is they're in the shooting range which they're there because andy makes the mistake of dropping his gun when they're going into a motel um earlier in the episode um and so they, they need to do shooting practice but they're also interspersing it with talking about, you know, girl, girl stuff. And then Hawk has this wisdom for all of them where he says this. One woman can make you fly like an eagle. Another can give you the strength of a lion. But only one in the cycle of life can fill your heart with wonder and the wisdom that you have known a singular joy. I wrote that for my girlfriend. Local gal? Diane Shapiro. PhD Brandeis. The whistle. So, so funny. I, I just love that subversion of, because we got some, a little bit of, you know, Native American wisdom at the, at the end of the last episode. And I like how that quote sets you up to think that that's what's going on. And, 
And Hawk says, I wrote that for my girlfriend. Yeah, he's just he's just a He's just got the heart of a poet. There's nothing about the... Yeah. But yeah. And then, of course, then when they ask if she's a local girl, and it's this apparently incredibly educated uh, person, you look like, oh, okay. You know, like, it's, it's, again, trying to just give you a unexpected answer. Right. 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 But I just, I, I love how, I mean, it's, it's, it's just cheesy as well, but, like, when he starts giving his his poetry or whatever it is you want to call it, they just um, their faces just go to immediately captivated like oh like you know they, you could see yeah. that some, oh, the act oh. the actors didn't there's like there's no subtlety they just went wow like you know they're <laughs> so already amazed on the first syllable it was, yeah. it was great Love yeah it. Uh, another cop scene just the one that tops the episode off um, after the invitation to love stuff what do we make of this Doctor Jacoby interview I want to talk about this briefly yeah let's get into that. So, super well shot. Russ Tamblin of Babylon 5 Explorer class fame, right? Do you Is guys, he? I don't know if you remember that. You guys didn't say anything when, this is going, deep chats now. Yeah, uh, on On Chat Salon 5, when he was on an episode, I don't think you guys mentioned about recognizing oh, him back then. Oh, Captain Jack Maynard! Yes, Captain Jack with his cowboy boots on the dash, I think. Yeah. Uh, uh, so he just, you know, he goes... Uh, East past Hawaii and then gets on a spaceship. Oh my god, it's a reference to Twin Peaks! Because he's a I Hawaiian don't, nerd. I don't remember that Let, at all. <laughs> if I show you, if you look up Jack Maynard Babylon 5 and go to the wiki image on, you'll be like, oh shoot, and you'll feel really dumb. Jack Maynard. He, he's the dude who's in an Explorer class ship, friend of Sheridan's, and yep. they get knocked off the beacon and then they have to go rescue them. In oh yeah, okay. Yep. It's this guy. Everything, ah. I don't remember a single minute of Babylon 5 except like the three memes that we had. I'm sorry <laughs> to say it. Also, uh, he's the father of I, Amber Tamblin, great actress, just saying. Yeah, the, the, uh, I, I'm always looking for an excuse for a Babylon 5 reference for you guys. So don't uh, worry. And I I'll, appreciate I'll, I'll, it. I got you covered. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Um, but yeah, so he's interviewing, uh, or, or Cooper is interviewing Jacoby about the murder and about stuff like how did you know Laura? What kind of patient was she? Did you know that she. Uh, had been like raped three times the night of her death. Were you one of those people? Or is this she had sex three times the night of her death? Did you, uh, did you, was that one of those you? And Jacoby like hesitates a little bit and goes like, no. And it's like so gross. And I feel like I've never disliked Jacoby the way I did here. Like he's just like, I don't trust him anymore. Not that I ever did really, but he's really strange. He's really off in this scene. And it doesn't help he's, that the... he's always been creepy though, like from mm-hmm. the very first time we met him in the show and he's like can i come down to the morgue with you guys it's like why? why you weirdo why do you want to be there yeah, yeah. like it always it was put off like right away and i think even back in that scene i think even uh the sheriff tries to avoid him and like not answer him <laughs> i think we maybe just had like a from my first viewing i think of him as like a funny hawaii guy but like so many people in Twin Peaks, he has a darkness to him. And it's it's helped by the cinematography of the scene where, like, Cooper is, like, uh, the camera's shooting Cooper from so far away when yeah. when he's talking to Jacoby, which makes us feel so distant. And he's, like, confused and he's trying to suss things out. But as soon as Jacoby starts making it clear that, like, he is talking, he says, I, the problems of our, our society are of a sexual nature. And, like, when he starts to actually interrogate and, like, push back, we go right into his face. And we're, like, tight zooming and getting right up on Cooper, being like, all right, I'm now engaged with this this weird guy, and he's going to lie to me, and I'm going to crack his, his case open. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are a couple things in this interview that contribute to making you 
feel unsettled by Dr. Jacoby. His incredible outfit notwithstanding. It's an awesome, yeah. I, I'd love to wear it. Top um, three outfits in this episode. <laughs> yeah. But like his, the magic trick he's doing with the golf balls where he keeps pulling one out of his mouth and then making it go back into his mouth um, is, is creepy. And then there are these two lines he has. The first is he's talking about the other people that Laura was with. And he says, they were boys. Laura was a woman. Yuck. Gross. Yuck. Gross, 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 gross. And then when Cooper's asking like, was she addicted to cocaine? And Dr. Jacoby starts saying, hey, she was seeking medicine. That's pretty good, right? And it just makes you ask, Jacoby, what is, what are you trying to do here? Because he's telling Cooper, like, hey, there's doctor-patient confidentiality. Can you ask me questions to get around it? But then when Cooper does that, he gives Cooper useless answers. Yeah. And then he kind of makes it seem as if he's saying he doesn't know anything. Um, but just overall, I think the thing that is really unsettling is you just see the person who was probably the closest to a confidant of Laura Palmer's before her death. And you see just how terrible of a confidant he is. It just his worldview is out of whack. Um, he clearly was lusting after her if not also physically involved with her. Um, and it just deepens this feeling of like, it doesn't even matter if Dr. Jacoby killed her himself or not. Maybe he did. And the episode is, you know, making that a possibility, but regardless his work as her psychologist uh, contributed to pushing her further down the path that she was on. Yeah, his his worldview was so skewed that literally when he's talking about Tibet and he's just like, uh, my world travels only go so far at east as Hawaii, which would be west, and that's just right. how. Yes, how, <laughs> it just threw me off. Like what? What? You just <laughs> you're, you're trying to sound uh, uh, interesting and then you're just messing it up. <laughs> yes. What's the deal also with uh, at the end? Cooper's like, all right, thank you for the help. Um, are you gonna be like around in the future if we have more questions and he says i don't know i'm gonna be going on a pilgrimage to pebble beach i think this might be the key to everything boys <laughs> okay hold on hold on the wiki page for pebble beach is empty <laughs> <laughs> i regret to inform you that's funny um yeah again just tabs 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 it's kind of hard to talk about this mystery stuff when you've seen the show but also like I don't remember a lot of the Jacoby stuff. I, I vaguely do if I like dig mm. into my banks. What I do remember, it's kind of it's still a blur because he he gives so much of a non-answer, then you forget about him. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Is, is, right. So when so when you come back, I guess it is kind of fresh in a way. Exactly. Um, we get the introduction of Gordon Cole. Harry, this is my supervisor. Good morning, Gordon. How we doing? Cooper, where do we start? The Palmer girl or Albert's new best friend? Harry Truman. Laura Palmer. They just talk about a bunch of stuff, but there's David Lynch on the phone. It's, it's David Gordon Lynch on the Cole. phone. Imagine being like, I want to be in my show, but I'm only going to be on the phone. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Gordon Cole is like, hey, uh, you know, he's trying to sue Truman. And Cooper, who clearly is madly in love with Truman, and I hate to beat this drum, even though I do love to beat this drum, 
Uh, he's just like, yeah, no, stop talking about Truman. No one cares. I, I will. He like raises his voice. He's legit angry about this. He's like, don't yeah. take him to freaking court. He didn't do anything wrong. He pulled his, he punched his the guy because he was being an asshole and was getting in the way of the of the funeral. That's a bad thing to do. I'm not gonna, you know, uh, testify against my friend, my boyfriend who I love. Uh, uh anyways, That's they go to see you, yeah. um. They go to see the one-armed man uh, who's staying at a uh, fun hotel. Um, and they don't go to see him on purpose. They're trying to find Jacques Renault's brother, right? No, I think at this point... Well, so Cooper talks to Leo. Uh, he asks Harry if Leo has a red Corvette. And uh, he's like, yeah, and he's going to like t- see Jacques Renault. Our, our guys are tailing him. Gordon tells him in that scene that the, the twine is like a household thing, whatever. Um, and then... Andy brings the sketch of the man mm-hmm. from that Sarah describes and Cooper's and, like, that's Bob and Cooper. So there's a connection between Cooper and Sarah's visions. And Cooper says that he wasn't going to go, uh, to talk to Sarah Palmer because he's a strong sender. That's what he calls himself. What does that even mean? <laughs> just, just some hippy dippy shit that I love Cooper's it. laying down. Yeah. I love it. And then cue to, cue to Mulder talking about the dream world. It was just right. as much. There you go. <laughs> just casual but, FBI talk. Yeah, the more I watch Twin Peaks having seen some of the X Files, the more clear it is that Mulder is just Dale Cooper. Yeah. They're pretty similar characters. Except well, I was gonna say except Dale Co- uh Dale Cooper isn't horny, but literally he check out these melons. <laughs> yeah, these freshly Ugh. squeezed melons. Yeah. Um, Hawk calls them during that sketch scene and says, hey, I found the one-armed man at the Timber Falls Motel. So that's why they go there. Um, also, Josie is there. So, Well, no, they're, they, they, don't, they don't know who the one-armed man is yet. They're going to find Jacques Renault's brother. Okay. At the hotel? Yes, because he oh. like posted bail or something. And they're like, he's in here under a, the, a different name. And then they bust into the room and they find the one-armed man there, and it's a reveal that he's a man with one arm. Like, when he turns around, um, the camera looks at him as if that's a surprise yeah. to us. Yep. And they don't they don't know who he is, but Cooper just... I think, I think it's important to clarify that because, like, all of the developments in the plot that happen in this episode are just completely accidental, Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> There's not really a sort of traceable or solvable line of like detective work going on um it's just we showed up looking for one guy but it turns out it we went into the wrong room but it turns out in the wrong room was a different guy who was the right guy and he sends us to a vet clinic with the name of the right guy but it's the wrong guy and then we are sorting through files of birds and dogs for the rest of the day <laughs> that, that's why this episode feels disjointed Yes. And we have the epic stare down between Cooper and a llama. Apparently, fun trivia about that scene. If you look at Truman's face, you can see the actor cannot. They couldn't keep a take where he wouldn't laugh. Yeah. Um, he's like smirking hard in that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I would, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Something I, I think that's funny that happens twice in this episode is they they kind of like cram multiple different conversations into the same setting. So like. They're going mm-hmm. to investigate the one-armed man, or the person that they find out is the one-armed man. And literally next door, we have Catherine and Benjamin stuff, 
which like, oh my God, I switched the books, blah, blah, blah. I don't care about the fucking books. We're going to torch the mill. Hurry up and do it, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but then you hear the gunshot from Cooper and, and them like, you know, getting shot through the door and you hear, and then you go back to Catherine and she goes, oh, that sounded like something. Anyways, so the ledger, and it's like, no, no, go away, <laughs> yeah. go. I don't want to see that part of the plot at all. Yeah, the only good part of that scene is when Ben Horn is like, well, I'm going to go give Elvis a bath. What does that mean? <laughs> He just has an Elvis bath toy. He's just a strange guy. I love him. Yeah. <laughs> also, she he a poker chip falls out of his uh, pocket, and it says one. I she knows right. it's one eye jacks. That's yeah. the plot thing. But um, yeah, they show him the drawing. This is so weird. There's so much red herring crap here. That's why it's it's also like, what are we doing? Um, Philip Gerard, who is this one armed man. Uh, has a friend, and he's like, is your friend named Bob? And he's like, yeah, Bob Lidecker, I love him. He's my best friend. He's in a coma. Um, <laughs> he's like, wait, really? <laughs> They're like, yeah. He's like, yeah, go to this veterinarian's office. Um, By the way, did you have the tattoo on your arm? And he's like, no. And they're like, really? He's like, yeah. And they're like, what did it say, Philip? And he's like, he breaks down crying. He says, it said mom. <laughs> Which... <laughs> It's so funny because I can just imagine the theory crafters during the watching of this episode for the first time being like, oh, did they crack it? And then he's like, no, dude, stop. You're 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 hunting up the wrong tree right now. Yeah. Yeah, they literally don't really. I guess that, that's one of the the things I think was the the pushes for the show. Right. Uh, is that yeah. part of them? They didn't really care about solving the mystery. They just yeah. like telling the story around it. Uh, and the characters and the setting and things like that. So, yeah, I think if you know that watching it, you're going to just be like, no, okay, I'm just going to enjoy the ride and, and not to be like, oh, when are we going to get tangible information? Uh, you know, just and, be patient. It only comes later, I guess. Yeah, and and Nick, like, I'd love to do the algebra to figure out, like, where all of the important moments are going to happen. But according to Audrey in the following scene, in real life, there is no algebra. So I can't do any math. I don't know how to do math. Um, do we stand Audrey Horn skipping class? Is this a good model for young girls? Fox News investigates. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 only, the only thing I really want to mention quickly about the scene with Audrey and she's in the, in the girls' room there is that I don't know if, if you guys commented on this previously because it's like the the background decoration on the doors yeah the, the, it's like a it's like a ekg meter right is that what it's supposed to be look that's like? how i see it oh, yep I, yeah. I mentioned that it's a red like horizontal a, line but in the bathroom it bounces like an ekg yes it's like the last blip and then it flatlines that's the oh. look of it i'm not sure if that's what it's supposed to represent or or what or is this an existing what's like was this i don't even know if this was shot like on a, like a, just an existing school if it's full on set for just a few scenes yeah, but I, uh, I think it's, it, I think it was a school because I know um, there was an article in 2019 from days.com that says the Twin Peaks high school is being demolished so I think it was David a real final, final conclusion <laughs> <laughs> just taking it down yeah yeah. So I, more, more likely it was a high school that they modeled I think my least favorite thing about this episode is that a lot of the scenes between two characters are there for information to pass from one character to another. Yeah. So like Catherine and Ben Horn with the chip and Audrey and Donna, Audrey telling Donna that she knows that Dr. Jacoby was treating Laura, which neither of them knew, I guess. Um, and then Donna telling Audrey about uh, Laura's mom's vision or whatever, or she tells James about that later. And as a viewer, 
yeah, this stuff has to happen. Um, but it's not particularly interesting to watch when the characters don't have an interesting reaction to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like this idea of Donna and Audrey deciding to team up uh, to be super sleuths sort of, you know, off the beaten path of, of the mystery. Um, I think that's a good development. That's going to get them both into, into compelling trouble. I think, I mean, we have to give, I guess, some leeway for the show because obviously um, now we have shows that are like, oh, it's supposed to be built around a 10 episode large storytelling format, you know, mm-hmm. with a, a whole arc. And maybe they have a little bit more experience to go off of. How do you make these middle episodes where it's just leading True. to right. the next part? But back then, yeah, it's a little bit uh, still a, a learning process. Um, although I guess that lo- uh, slow build up of the return shows maybe Lynch is just that's just how he does it. He's just he, likes to tell. The, yeah. He still tells the long story, uh, and he just happens to break it into episodes because of the medium. Yeah, the right. the the return is the closest because when people always say like, "Oh, the biggest tragedy of Twin Peaks is that." you know, it was meant to be a certain length and they drew, they dragged it. And then there was so much network interference in the second season that they couldn't possibly make the show they wanted. The return is what you get when he gets to do exactly what he wants, which is he makes a story that uh, holds it back. It's what it's trying to say for so long that it actually like doubles in effectiveness by, by making you wait for it's it. It's like the, the metal and the uh, samurai sword. It's folded in multiple layers and then the final product finally make you know, it's fantastic. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I, I guess another excuse for it is that this is a show that was airing week to week. Uh, and so this is a way for the show to remind the audience of these particular details um along with characters learning about them so yeah the um that's fair the, the blu-rays also have both the log lady intros from when this show aired on i think it was a and e or like bravo yeah, maybe a and e i was I, I, I was gonna try to find those that's good to know that those are out there because i wasn't yep. sure the I truth is existed. out there nick <laughs> um, the log no, lady all, is out there <laughs> there's a way you can you can set it when you play the episode to play the log lady intro first and they're they're not really worth commenting on. I've been watching all of them now. I caught up on the previous ones. Uh, it's I, just mostly... wanted, I just wanted gift material. That's all I wanted. Yeah, you can, you <laughs> should, you can, they're probably all on YouTube, honestly, but they're mostly her just like vaguely proselytizing about themes of the episode um, mm-hmm. for like a minute. And they're good, but that's what they are. Um, and then it goes to a recap. It actually, sh- it says it's, it's Cooper going previously on Twin Peaks and we get a recap. And oh, so the, sure. Sure. I, I imagine that those also aired when uh, the show was coming out to be like, hey, mm-hmm. There's a lot of characters in this freaking show. <laughs> um, but speaking of too many characters, uh, we start to like bump into the fringe of having one too many, in my opinion, um, when Hank is introduced formally here. Would would you say that... I've got one man too many in my life, and I'm married to him. Sound familiar? I wanted Norma so badly to be like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's a great line from Shelly when her and Norma are venting in the double, double R diner about how they are having the same plot arc at the same yeah. time. If, if, if you at any point thought that it was good TV criticism to look at Norma and Ed and to look at Shelly and Bobby and be like, huh, there's kind of a parallel there. And if you were like, oh, wow, I, you know, the show's doing this like subtle thing, then... Uh, by the way, it's not subtle because now we have this new guy who's 
you know, basically Leo and like buddies with Leo as far as we can tell. Um, yeah. Yeah. You want to tell us about him a little bit, Alan? Yeah. So Hank is a criminal boy. Um, Hank is uh, Hank Jennings played by Chris Mulkey. Again, I don't know how to describe him. Like I think you were saying, was that a, was that on pod or pre pod? You said he looks like Huey Lewis. Pre pod, pre pod. Yeah. He yeah he looks like he he looks like an eighties bad boy grew up a little bit, and you're like, oh gross. Oh, you know who he looks like is he looks like a, oh my god, Quantum Leap. What's his name? Oh my god, Scott Bakula. He, he looks, looks like a, a tall little... evil Scott Bakula. Yeah. Wait till a season eight of Quantum Leap when uh, that <laughs> yeah. happens. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, he has obviously. He, by the time we're recording this, he hasn't. You know, he can't possibly be listening. But I'm sure the hair on the back of Ryan's neck is standing up right now. We're saying <laughs> bad things about Bacula's quantum leap. Um, I think he. I. I, I don't want to like spoil what his crime was because I don't think the show has said it yet. But he did something really bad. He's. He's- he says something about I don't know what it is, to be honest, but I know that at least in his parole hearing, he's talking about uh, oh, oh a vagrant, fate, vehicular man, a vagrant on the side of the road, and fate brought me there. And they look like it wasn't fate that put you in jail. And he's like, no, no, but I'm just saying is maybe it's meant to be. Maybe there's some fate. Maybe it's a good thing I'm in here. Like you know, he's trying to spin it in whatever mm-hmm. way he can, I guess, oh. to to get his parole. I looked it up just to remind myself what it is, and it's uh, we're going to talk about it in the spoiler section. It's the stupidest thing in the world. Um, it's really dumb. But Hank sucks, and he is the part where he's like in court feels like a different television show entirely. There's like mm-hmm. people of color talking to Hank, and they're like, and I'm like, wait, there are no people of color in Twin Peaks except Josie. What's going on? I'm confused. Um, it's one of those fifty thousand. There's a whole large black community in Twin Peaks. Right? Yeah, off, the, off to exactly. the side a huge of the town that we don't see. And they're like, uh, you know, it's such a weird. I've never seen a hearing like this. I guess it's like a parole hearing. It's like, are you going to be yeah. able to like reintegrate into society? And is your wife going to be able to, uh, like help you? And you'd think it would raise a red flag that they ask her, uh, you know, he's going to have trouble reintegrating. Are you? How are you going to help him, or something? And then she's like, well, I'm going to like bring you back to the home. And they're like, uh, you guys are married, right? And she's like, what did she say? She says, like, he's my husband, I guess. Like, she, yeah. it's supposed to be coy, but it's also very clearly, like, she hates this guy. She wants <laughs> right. this guy to go to jail. But at the same time, like, I know that, you know, she's asked soon after, oh, did you tell him you want to get a divorce? And then she's like, when I was there, I couldn't do it. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, if she had, I mean, I guess that's the whole thing. She's still afraid of him. Um, yes. Even if he's in there, he could still come out. And she didn't think he was going to come out, so she was surprised that he did get his parole. But you know, the fact that she's just like she could have, you know, sabotaged it and maybe said some bad things to intentionally right. ruin it. Uh, but she's afraid that even despite that he'll come out, she doesn't want to say getting a divorce because she's still afraid. I guess that he's going to come out, and you know, he does obviously. And mom uh-huh. the, the knows that he is coming out at the end of the episode. Yeah. Um, or near. Yeah. And and you know this episode almost has stuff to say about Shelly and Norma and what it means to be in a relationship with, you know, a man that you're afraid of who's abusive and still feel some kind of like attachment to him or a sense of loss of how things used to be. Like Shelly has this whole conversation with Norma where she talks about how great Leo was at the beginning. He's a cool guy with a cool car. He, He was good to me. And then, turns out that he just wanted to have a maid that he didn't have to pay and yeah. you know leo doesn't talk he hits and and all the stuff that shelly says and there's a story there 
And then the resolution to their conversation is Norma's like, you know what, Shelly, I'm going to take us out to get all pretty tomorrow. We're going to get our hair done and our nails done. And we're going to be the hottest girls in the whole diner. And Shelly's like, yeah. Norma's like, yeah. Uh (laughs) Come on, Twin Peaks. You could have, you could have done that a little bit better. And uh, maybe they will, but it, it just feels like they're talking about something that's really important. Um, and just did it in, in a two-dimensional way. If you're going to flesh out Norma and Shelly and all that stuff, you have to do it. And it feel, this is why I'm saying it feels like the show is, this is where the bloat is. He's like, if you're going to do the mystery story and you want to do this whole story about like abuse and this criminal, it just feels like the show is like bursting here. It's overwhelmed by itself and has no time to like commit to these moments. And it has to be like, uh, we're going to do our nails because we're girls. And uh, sorry, gender is here. My bad. <laughs> I forgot. And it's so stupid the way that they make Hank creepy. He just has a domino on a keychain, and the camera looks at it, and the music is like, uh oh, this guy carries a domino around in his pocket. That's pretty scary, right? And then he sends. He could use that for spontaneous gambling, perhaps. Who knows? (laughs) Right. It's just like anything that's poker chips and cards and dominoes it's just creepy mm-hmm. uh for some reason but the and, the the illicit aspect i guess dominoes rank below poker chips right it's right like... yeah it's like <laughs> most of the time people just set them up to knock them down that doesn't seem so bad and then i think you know at the very end is the fact i, I didn't even realize that you know, kind of just watching the show again there, but I guess when Hank talks to Josie, she's holding a, a domino herself. A domino, yeah, and she gets the thing at the end, right? The little letter that has the picture of the domino. Yeah, and then he <laughs> he sucks on the domino at the end. Come on, uh, this is dumb. That's dumb. I, All the Hank stuff is dumb. Da, da, and, uh, David, 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 sorry, I'm looking at the script and it says, "Oh, here, hello, what's sedu- up, Nick?" I'm supposed to I'm supposed to lick it. Seductively or dangerously? I want you to you suck like. on it. <laughs> suck on the domino. Just suck on the domino. No, do it slowly. <laughs> I, like, I like your lunch. That should be a bit. Diane, it's July 19th. Lunch today was bologna and tomato on Portuguese flatbread with a sliced apple on the side. Dinner was green beans and ground beef on a bed of rice, warm as the summer heat we've been having. I'm heading out to be among the Douglas firs this week in the beautiful state of Vermont. I'll be sampling the local food, drinking the local coffee, of course, and seeing what I can find amongst those woods. Now, I won't bore you with the long story, but, you know, I've been guilty of biting off more than I can chew. And I do consider myself an optimistic person, Diane, but that optimism is a double-edged sword in many ways. As Voltaire once put it, optimism is the madness of insisting that all is well when we are miserable. It is a sort of madness, Diane. A cruel, cruel madness. Now, I want to believe that I can do everything. I want to be the best detective, spend time with those I love, and find time for myself. But Diane, life on this earth is finite, 
and it hands us challenges every single day. Occasionally, we must reel in that optimism. So for your sake and mine, I plan to go into this excursion with an open mind, a full heart, and a hungry belly. Wish me luck, Diane. We'll talk soon. Diane, 7, 11 p.m. A word of advice. Don't expect to be full by afternoon if all you ate that day was coffee, salad, and a dry bowl of honey smacks. I had to call in some emergency sweet and sour chicken. Sauce as red as the sun is right now through the haze of what I can only assume is industrial smog. It's funny just how picturesque the dangerous things can be. And that applies to the smog and to the sweet and sour chicken. In the time it took me to say all that, I stared too long at the sun and imprinted a shadow of itself on the back of my eyes. So, that's all for now, Diane. There are two amazing background moments in this episode of Twin Peaks. One of them is when we go to the gas station slash convenience store slash whatever the heck is here. Um... Cooper and Truman are walking in the foreground, and Hawk sees a guy in the background who goes, Hey, Hawk, what's up? And they just high-five. <laughs> it was like, oh, these are my friends right here. I love I love Hawk knowing people. It's so just fun and fantastic. That's awesome. That's number one of those. Keep that in mind. And then we go in, and there's like a llama that walks by. This is a very like famous moment. Cooper like gets right up in the face of the llama and stares it down. Again, if you look at it, but if you actually change your eye line to look at Truman, the dude's just the actor's giggling his ass off in his head. <laughs> um, and they are like looking in these books. It's kind of silly. It all it is worth it for the payoff where uh truman hands lucy this like book of like all the people who own pets from this pet shop and he's like i need you to find everybody who owns parrots and she's like yeah and then she calls down to them later and she says what it's like uh, they're all it's in order of pet name not by what pet it is and so i can't <laughs> look up by parrot i have to look it up by like mr snuffles okay animal pet animal dog okay yeah. That's the moment where Cooper's but like, I guess we're going to need a lot of coffee. She could say it a lot more concise, but in her typical way, she just starts naming off the animals that she's really looked at <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to get to her point. And that, that's such an analog moment, too, because nowadays they could just change the, you know, filter the spreadsheet differently or sort yeah. by a different column or something. But this is like a whole day affair that they have to manually sort the files by hand, um, which is pretty fun. Her and, double the double the donuts and double the coffee. Yeah, her and Lucy are like the her her and sorry whoa, her and Andy are like the cutest. They're they bring a lot of levity to this episode. Um, yes. it's uh the brief brief scene. Just want to just reference the fact that uh Shelly and Bobby have some stuff going on too. Um, Shelly and Bobby are like really hot. Is the problem like these <laughs> actors are both very good looking, <laughs> and I'm in trouble because there's a part where they're like. <laughs> what um, I'm, <laughs> I'm putting on the clown nose i got these big red shoes here we go we put on the big afro it's very colorful yes yes do your jokes um she flirts with bobby and like she's like i have a gun you want to help me use it and bobby spits out his gun goes the funniest thing in the world um i forgot to ask you to clip that but it's it's as gross as uh the spitting thing from the first episode so you don't need to Please don't play yeah. this. <laughs> but um yeah, they're they're great. And they wanna uh implicate Leo so that he can go to jail. And you made a, a good point in your notes, Majal, on that the difference between um 
like Shelly Norma and Shelly Norma and Shelly is that yeah. Shelly actually like wants to like act against the law sometimes to get Leo down whereas Norma is like I'm just gonna try to get Hank like arrested properly yeah I, I think that's the sort of one worthwhile parallel but or difference between them in the plots that are being set up right now is yeah like you just said Shelly is down to murder leo she's totally cool with framing him which bobby does he takes the bloody shirt and he plants it in jacques renault's apartment um and i mean she and she had specifically kept you know she's supposed to be doing laundry and then she saw the bloody shirt and said i'm going to keep this for later to then bring it up to bobby and then bobby having the idea i guess that's probably the most one of the other bigger things that actually comes up again later to keep the story going yeah and and yeah, she's also down for a little gunplay in the bedroom, which is despite all of her other efforts in the scene to entice Bobby, that's the only thing that he is interested in is like, oh, gun. Boy, now there's a gun involved. I am aroused. Um, whereas, yeah, Norma is uh, she just is going to play it by the book and follow the rules. She's not really plotting to. Mm-hmm or kill anybody or anything like that exactly can we go back to the scene where shelly and norma are in the diner and talk about what else is going on in the room at that time yeah oh yeah well yeah so they're talking with their awful husbands and then uh we have a whole remember how earlier we were like oh there's a lot of scenes in this episode of two things happening at once um james is in the show guys (laughs) and i think this is actually really well done like i I was kind of struck by how seamlessly the show is transitioning between plots in the same space. And, and, you know, it takes a lot of thought to set up all those different camera shots and to tell that story in a cohesive way and to make it clear when we're sort of breaking between the James plot on one side of the diner and Norma and Shelly on the other side of the diner. Um, So I just thought that was a really well executed sequence, but James is here. He gets on the phone with Donna. He doesn't really want to go see Donna. Uh, even though Doc Hayward is in the background dropping amazing one-liners like this one. Who the heck ever heard of diet lasagna? Yeah, I'm so glad you pulled <laughs> Thank that. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> Thank I was going to bring that up because it was like, you know, the, the, you know, it's another sign of uh, something evil in town. Yep, diet lasagna. <laughs> yeah, diet, diet lasagna. And again, the show's obsession with food. They got to talk about food. Yeah. I just want a quick comment. Uh, maybe you guys already said it in the, the previous episode. The other half was I think it's the other one where uh, where Bobby straight walks in on carpet with his boots on uh, ahead of the the funeral, and I just was so irrationally annoyed with that. Like, <laughs> How, Bobby's a bad boy. In. Yeah, oh, he's a rebel. He he wouldn't dare to take <laughs> off his boots no. on a on a. Um, I guess a kind of a cream colored carpet, yeah. like it's just <laughs> that's good for strings. Uh, what a jerk. Um, And so we have the moment where James drifts away from his phone call with Donna when Maddie walks in. And this is one of the bigger moments of, oh, my God, you look so much like Laura. Uh, And it it worked on me like the cinematography here and the the costuming and stuff on her work to the point where I had the thought in my brain of, wow, Laura's cousin looks so much like Laura even though I know it's the same person. Yeah. Um, it's the same actor. Um, so yeah, they just, they, they told that part of the story pretty well. I think I, I also have a head cannon here that Laura's cousin doesn't look that much like her. She kind of looks like her, but everybody 
sees them as looking exactly alike because of just that, the context of what's going right, on. Right, right. I like that. I would have. I, it would have been really great if they had. Um, I guess you know, you've saved this idea for a different show, but like you have somebody who is supposed to look a lot like the person, and then mm-hmm. you do like the away shots with like a different actress that kind of looks like her. Yeah. But then when she right. gets close, then you have the the same actress, and you know mm-hmm. just to play with the thing where you go, and you know I don't know that would have been nice. I do like your idea though because I was watching it the whole time going, okay, well which character is gonna say something, like right. cause, literally uh, first uh, person it means her. Well, no, because I don't think. Well, uh, Leland does. The, sher- the sheriff never says anything. He he look, you know, she comes over. Give, I think she gives him something, at a snack at one point. At the, oh no, he's at when they're doing the sketch. She's like giving stuff to people. Oh sure. He looks at, and he looks at her and he doesn't really uh, react. Oh, yeah. sure, sure, and sure. I I kept going, and I but that's where your your head cannon I think works really well. Where it's like yeah, she kind of looks like her, but people who are really drawn uh, to her see it more. Right. Uh, and maybe that's yeah. what it is. I like that. Also, Maddie's just, it's its interesting watching Shirley play these two. She's playing two distinct characters because Maddie's very, like, <clears throat> spacey emerald and, like. Emerald and Jade. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. She's Emerald <laughs> right. and Jade. Um, she's very spacey and, like, kind of ignorant about the world. Um, she reminds me of uh, uh, Molly Ringwald's character from The Stand. What's the character's name? I don't know. Tina. <laughs> Fuck, we watched The Stand like a month ago, guys, and we already forgot the whole on to story. That stuff. Come on now. It's, yeah, her. It's, it's the same thing of yeah. like, I didn't know there was a pandemic. As a person to blame for you guys watching it, I should be able to remember it, but now even my. <laughs> <laughs> you and your you and your brother are always and and a lot of our friends are our fans are the people to tell us like why didn't you guys realize it's obviously blah 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 and I'm not gonna look it up and don't tell. Me who <laughs> Molly Ringwald plays the same. I'm, I'm gonna wake up in a cold sweat and remember it. Fran, yeah. Fran. it's Franny. Thank you. Yeah, Thank that's you. That's right. She's got Franny. I just energy. had. To, I I had to remember Harold's voice. Fran, Fran, Fran. And then I got it. Yep. Um. But anyway, she's she's talking about like I'm from Missoula, which I'm pretty sure is not a real town. By the way, it's in Minnesota. But um, she's from a, fa- a fake real? place. And she's Missoula's, mysterious. Missoula's you've just, real. You've just insulted Montana. all the listeners from Missoula. Is it really? <laughs> I don't a real know. Place in Montana. <laughs> Shoot. Okay. Sorry to all the people from Missoula, Montana. <laughs> all right. I actually have a friend from Montana. Uh, North Dakota. I got North Dakota, Montana oh mixed gosh. up. <laughs> you're not allowed to talk about the show anymore. Quick, okay. Quick, you're, quick, you're the Albert many, of quick this Alan, podcast. Uh, quiz time. How many Virginias are there? Just checking. Two. <laughs> okay. I almost yeah. said I almost I did almost say North and South Virginia though. It's a good thing I didn't say that out loud. <laughs> you almost got completely rocked by a Canadian just now. <laughs> About American geography. Yeah. Um. Anyways, Norma tells them, "Hey, Hank got his parole. I'm sad. My husband's gonna come back." Um. Uh, and then we get a really cool scene. Not too many notes on this one, but uh, Ben Horn is on his big '90s cell phone talking to Jerry. And uh, did you guys catch this joke where he says, uh, he's like, no, who's get this guy off the phone. No, I don't know what happens when you combine a Norwegian and a Swede. Get out of here. Jerry, who was that weird jokester? <laughs> yeah. Did you guys get the joke? I'm going to say whoosh. No. No. It's not a play on words. It's a, about Nor- Norwegians and Swedes. What is it? What's the answer? If you combine a Norwegian and a Swede, you get a socialist who wants to be king. Is that like a standard joke? Yeah, I guess. I Googled it. Oh. 
They talked about socialism in Twin Peaks. Check it off the boxes, baby. <laughs> it's just on the other side of a phone call that yeah, we didn't hear. On a joke that we didn't hear the punchline for, yeah. But yeah, so Jerry, he's on this exercise bike right in front of the fireplace, presumably to sweat because he's wearing a sweatsuit. And there was this belief in the 90s, especially, that if you wore a sweatsuit, you would lose weight because you just sweat more. I don't think that's a 90s thing. I think that... Yeah, you know, people do like hot yoga. Yeah, same premise. Same Isn't premise. it in the old timey videos where people are in that sweat box where there's just their head sticking out, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's that, kind of a, a thing. People so I guess I guess that's why he's by the fire. And also Ben's just that kind of dude who takes a phone call while he's on the exercise bike right by his gigantic fireplace. But his fit here is very good. This is my favorite outfit from this episode. Um, he's just like in a purple jumpsuit or whatever, a sweatsuit, mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is the part where Audrey walks in and says, like, Dad, I want to be a part of the family and I want to live my life. And, you know, if your daughter's in high school and you're ignorant and don't pay attention to her, you're probably thinking, like, wait, th- I can make money off of this. This is great. <laughs> but she's really just trying to get to the perfume place because that's what Donna told She told Donna and she learned it and she's going to do investigations. We love to see it. And it, it I, humanizes I, I... Ben Horn a little bit, right? Because even though he's a terrible monster of a man, yeah, uh, he does genuinely want to have a relationship with his daughter yes Yes. um and that's endearing on some level nick what do you think about ben horn what's your take on our favorite boy i was just going to make a quick interjection about the the uh now it's the time for the fashion corner uh to come in and talk about (laughs) the sweaters of the 80s or something i don't know yeah but uh yeah no he's he's just a character although i'm I'm not going to say what my my favorite moment that i did see of him because it's in the with his brother when his brother comes back, uh, which is just bizarre, and I love it. I'll I'll, I'll write in about it because it just cracks me up every time I see it. It's the bread thing, the bread thing. Okay. Um, uh, but no, yeah, exactly. It, uh, part of me wonders, like, uh, what are his plans really for his family? Because he's like very apprehensive about her actually getting involved in business. He wants her to just go make some beds in the hotel. You mm-hmm. know, like, is his plan really? Um, you know, she's gonna get, I don't know, she's gonna just marry her off or somebody else, and, and that's that. Because he, does he really have any, he had a thought of his own for her to be involved? Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem like it. Because it, it uh, seems like she's sort of making him think for the first time that she could be his successor. And he's exactly. kind of like, oh, yeah, I, I do want a successor. That yeah. sounds really nice, actually. So I'm going to continue having affairs and burning down b- businesses. They know I, I'm going to live a young man's life forever. You know, like that. <laughs> That's what his ideas are. But yeah, so she did uh, successfully tap into in his uh, um, something. He, I guess he didn't really think about it at all, but yeah. he didn't, couldn't say no to it either. And it's, I think it's shot in a, in a nice way too, where they must've composited together two shots or something. The There's this focus, moment yeah. where you see, the side of uh, you see Ben's face in profile and Audrey's a little further away. And there's this kind of like dreamy outline to his head. I, I thought it looked cool. They must've yeah done a split focus lens or two shots. Exactly. Or something like that. Although it, it, it did. When you say about the dreaminess of it, like it was kind of interesting because a lot of times that split focus will be very much like a, like a matte thing where it's like straight, but it actually yeah. kind of followed his face. So the focus was very straight very short on his face on that split right. side so right. that's why everything around him because everything around him is behind him by a distance it's all very blurry so yeah it definitely right. had that look yeah and then with the fireplace light um adding to it ben has yeah. all of his best like familial 
times in front of the fireplace. That's just the way he lives his life. He's talking to his brother. He's talking to his daughter. He's having a great time, and he's and he's like the, the master of his kingdom in a way. <laughs> this is his throne is the exercise bike. He's the epitome of '90s capitalist excess. <laughs> My brain is expanding at a rapid rate. So bad, so big. We're gonna need the FBI. Um. Anyways. Just some police investigation stuff. I wanted to point out the other background moment that I loved in this episode, which is uh, when Cooper and company are getting ready to bust into Jacques' apartment. We get like 10 seconds of two people playing a tennis game in the background. Oh, just, yeah. And then like, like documentary footage. It was awesome. And they're like, yeah, uh, uh. And then they finish and they're like, nice, good game, good game. And they shake, shake hands over the net. And oh then the gosh. camera just goes, ooh, here's Cooper. Anyways. It's just I love the sense that the show it's like again the investigation is the last priority we got it's there I guess yeah we'll show it but I mean whatever we want to watch these people play tennis David Lynch just really wants to show you what a small town in USA is like in his 100% no for sure <laughs> that's what he wants to explore but he's not a documentarian uh, uh, he'd rather make he'd rather make short movies on Netflix about talking monkeys true and make videos about the weather or whatever he's doing in COVID these days, he's like making YouTube videos about the weather. It's a whole thing. Yeah, you got you got to check out his YouTube channel. It's awesome. It's really good. Um, <laughs> he's he's basically just like, it's July sixth and it's rainy today. <laughs> it's, that's thank you. What it is, and he just ends it. Um, yeah. But yeah, we just get a bunch of like investigationy stuff, crime stuff. They bust into the apartment. Bobby plants the bloody shirt. He jumps out the back window. They chase him in the car. This is like cop drama stuff. Ben Horn meets Leo in the woods per a recommendation from Hank who tells him that Leo's good people or something. This is just uh-huh. one of those like, did you know that everybody knows everyone in case you didn't get it? Right. Ben is asking right. Leo to burn down the sawmill. This is fine. And uh, finally, Donna convinces James to come with her to check out where he buried the necklace in the first episode. She says Sarah Palmer uh, had a vision that it was taken away. And he's like, come on, Donna. Th- uh, where's the necklace? What's going on? What is, uh, it's a vision? And then she goes, um, I believe the line is, uh, Laura used to always say that her mom was like spooky or something. She doesn't say like had visions. She says like she was mystical <laughs> or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have a lovey-dovey moment. And then we wrap up our episode by, first off, I love that David Lynch doesn't ever want to start a scene in the part that you think it will. Like we're in Josie's house. But instead of like showing her, we see uh, this like white deer on her wall, which there's no symbolism here. I don't think it's just like cool looking goofy. It does look so weirdly taxidermied and bad. I loved it. And there's just a ton of Dutch angles and she's finding out stuff. Are we going to add another tier to the the Patreon, which is to get Alan a a weird taxidermied uh, <laughs> yeah, for the wall. <laughs> yeah, the new goal. Truman calls yeah. her and he's like, "Hey, were you at the Timber Falls Motel?" And she's like, "Uh, let's have let's call tomorrow. Bye. Love Sorry, you. honey, gotta go." <laughs> um, Pete, is... I made you a sandwich with mayonnaise. <laughs> right. I love uh, Jack Nance. No, the the, the mayo was the the extra spicy topping. Yeah, <laughs> yes. he does such a cute little face, like, "Oh, Catherine's oh. asleep, so put a little mayo on it." He like <laughs> kind of widens his mouth or whatever. Is the implication that Pete is like catching feelings for Josie. Is that what's happening? That's what I thought. I yeah, thought I think so. Pretty strong. Every, like, everyone's oh, you're such a wonderful woman. Like everyone falls in love with her. Yeah. And she just decides to use people, I guess. Uh, yeah. Depending on what it is. Well, I guess, I guess Catherine is immune to her her ways. 
I'm going to tell Nick about some Josie stuff in season two in the spoiler segment, and you're going to blow your brain right open. Um, <laughs> I just remembered some really good, some good Josie Thank you, everyone, for tuning in for the last episode of Nick on <laughs> yeah, chats because he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's just the question when she's on the phone with Hank at the end of what's going on there. It seems like she's going to hire him to do something for yep. her. Yep. Yeah. So we'll see how that plays out. Probably in a goofy way. Probably, yeah. <laughs> don't, shh, don't say, don't, don't tell anyone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Twin Peaks. It's a show of ups and downs, uh, and it's a show of one-armed men. So that's what I have. Do either of you have anything else you want to talk about regarding this episode? Oh, I do. I do have one note from the wiki. Um, so there was the bit about the llama, and then another thing on the wiki is that there was originally a deleted scene in this episode between James and his mom. That was cut. Oh, do we ever see yeah. James's mom? I no, so. I, I, I looked it up, it, okay. and that scene was then written into episode ten, in season two, and then cut again. Um, wow. So, not much to say about that, except that that was a thing. Uh, but that's that's what I got. Fabulous, Magellan. Fabulous. Can you tell me what we're watching next time on Peaks Chats, please? Sure, I surely can. So, next time on Peaks Chats, we are watching the next two episodes of Twin Peaks, and it's actually our penultimate season one episode. Sheesh. That's how few episodes are in season one of Twin Peaks. So, first off, we have episode f- uh, five? Yes. Yeah. It's what's called and episode five. The yeah. sixth episode, which is named episode, episode five. five. Exactly. Yeah, which is also called Cooper's Dreams. There you go. Cooper and company have tea with the log lady, who tells them there was a third man following after Leo and Jacques the night Laura died. At Jacques Renault's cabin, Cooper, Hawk, and Truman find Waldo the bird. Oh, we're going to get the bird. Where's, where's Waldo? And then we have episode six, which is called Realization Time. Audrey cons her way into working at the perfume counter where Laura worked and discovers that it's being used as a... Well, do I want to spoil this? No. I'm going to skip that. Yeah. She discovers something. James, Donna, and Maddie plan... She discovers perfume, perhaps. Yes. James, Donna, and Maddie plan to lure Jacoby away from his office. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I wonder how that goes. Yeah. Oh, man, that was really great. Nick, first of all, thank you so much uh, for joining us, man. It's always a pleasure to have you. Thank you for, for inviting me back. I was happy to, to join on this one. I was looking forward to the show in general. Thank you, Nick. Um, <laughs> is there anything you'd like to plug? I should have done. I should have done my plugs uh, in in reverse voice speak. <laughs> the whole thing, uh, yeah, like a minute long. I I I linked it to Magellan, the the website that I found that would help you to you know, reverse yeah. your your voice. Okay. But it's it's Very still useful. even with that, it's still multiple takes to huh. to get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even that is not. I don't think it's quite as good as the actors did on the on their scenes in the show. Uh, not not much. I mean, like um, you know, like I said, I I try to post uh funny gifts uh, around the show so i just uh, tend to throw those out there on twitter also on the subreddit at uh, reddit.com slash r slash chats pod about to uh, resume 
the throat chats Thursdays uh, about uh, Avatar. Um, kind of took a pause uh, just as season one of Avatar finished on the, the throat chats, but uh, going to kick that back up again. Got a little nice. bit more time for it. Yeah. I'm excited great. for it. I appreciate all the work. We, we appreciate all the work that you do uh, for yeah. chats and otherwise. They're great. Um, Magellan, I think that brings us to the plug zone, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you can get in touch with the show in a couple of different ways. You can email us, chatspod at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash chatspod. You can also head on over to that subreddit, as Nick just mentioned, where you can join conversations about previous chat seasons, uh, as well as share your Twin Peaks gifts and, and all that good stuff. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so by sharing it with a friend who you know likes Twin Peaks or wants to get into it. You can rate us on your podcast, you know, listening platform of choice. Or if you would like to send some cash money our way, you can do that over at patreon.com slash chatspod, backing us at one, three, or five dollars a month. One dollar a month is your hey, I'm here, I want to support you guys, amount of money, $3 a month gets you access to our monthly bonus content, and then $5 a month gives you power to influence what that bonus content is from month to month uh, in in the sort of new way we're doing that, where we have a, a wheel that we spin. Oh, it's so, mm. so fun to spin the wheel. Um, but yeah, that's that stuff. We like to end every... Oh, and of course, thank you to Camilla Franklin, who was on the episode last week for our logo you can find her work at Camillustrator everywhere. Uh, but yeah, okay. Oh, and we are, have been thanking the $5 patrons lately. Thank you to Nick. Hey, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Thank you to Pat as well from the Brothers at Infinite War. Thank you to Andrew L., Kat, Marcus, Fendin, Ryan C., Six, and Stefan. Thank nice. you. You're all thank amazing, you all. and we love you for your support and yeah. for your goodness and of course we always close out our episodes of chats with our chatsums our very own vlasic snackum equivalent where we give you something to snack on between now and next week so nick you're our guest do you have a chatsum for the folks uh the only other kind of thing i've been uh consuming um here and there uh they kind of vary in length there was actually something that uh um, I got tipped from from Ryan uh, and Rachel on uh, they did a, a quick little review of this other podcast called Wolf 359 mm-hmm. uh, and uh, people who watch Star Trek know there's a particular event that takes place in that system so when I would hear that name I would just think oh it's just some Star Trek podcast you now we don't necessarily need one but it's actually kind of a nice little audio drama sci-fi uh, about kind of a group of people on a, on a, a research station of a sorts um, in orbit around the star Wolf 359. Uh, and I, I'm really enjoying it. And I mean, I, I kind of said to him, like, I probably wouldn't have checked it out if he hadn't said, oh, I listened to the whole thing and I enjoyed it by the end. I was like, okay, that's always a good recommendation. Mm-hmm. So I've been kind of listening to that here or there. It's kind of my filler between chats or, or other main podcast because it's already finished so i don't need to don't feel like i need to keep up on it just to take it when i have the time so i've been enjoying that so it's a i think it's worth a listen well three five nine yeah very cool um and that's ryan slowinski a patron and one of the co-hosts over at the yum yum podcast which is uh now covering babylon five yeah so that's exciting if you missed us covering babylon five they're going to be doing it over there um which is going to be great. Uh, 
So many gifts that I didn't have a chance to do because I wasn't around for it. Uh, I'll have a chance now for Batman yeah. 5. Heck yeah. Um, cool. Alan, what about you? You have a chat some? Um, I have been trying to find more shows that are like Twin Peaks, modern day Twin Peaks, um, because I think that, you know, once this show is over, once it gets to the part that we don't like as much, uh, us and other people who watch it and enjoy it are going to say, oh, I really want something else that's like good in the same way. Unfortunately, there's nothing that is as specifically there's nothing. <laughs> there's, the nothing. there's nothing. The well, so you got options, right? You got the X Files. I've mentioned yeah. the Killing. The Killing is a little bit darker and less quirky. If you want more quirky, you have stuff like Wayward Pines. If you want more uh, of the like thoughtful stuff, you have the Leftovers. You want good ensemble, you have Lost. Um, but if you want good like small town people uh, being acting realistically and hanging out and having drama, uh, FX's Fargo is like an underrated gem it's such a good show i love it a lot um and i think i'm, I'm ready to give it a firm chat some i've been th- i've been trying to get back into it now after watching the first two seasons um i want to see that season with chris rock in it and it's really good hmm. fx is uh fargo on fx that's the show here it is nice margaret what do you got for me uh my Chatsum is a YouTube channel that I discovered in doing some research for my other podcast, which, uh, by the way, let me just plug real quick, is uh, Super Smash Echoes, where my friend Justin and I talk about games from franchises represented in Super Smash Brothers. And our most recent episode was on uh, Metroid Prime. So I was looking up video essays about Metroid Prime just to get a sense of what the conversation is around that game. And I came across a great YouTube channel called The Geek Critique, which has long-form video essays about video games. So The Geek Critique has done a long video on every Sonic game, a long video on every Metroid game. And those are the main series that are over there, as well as some other videos that I haven't looked as much into. But I watched a few Geek Critique videos. I watched like a whole hour-long video on the Shadow the Hedgehog video Hell game. Hell yeah. Uh, I watched the Metroid Prime review, which is tough but fair. Um, yeah, so that's that's a great channel if you're looking for 30 to 60-minute long uh, video essays about video games, the Geek Critique. Sometimes I am, dude. Sometimes I am. Yeah, me too. Yeah, there's a there's a couple of good channels that I watched there, like the it was a video game historian, and like yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. he goes into like this really obscure hardware that like oh I might remember this one, but that one I had no idea. The so, yeah, vision. or it's like the NES that was uh, a floppy disk version. Which is, I guess, huh. where the the first the Castlevania Panicom, was right? on that system. Oh no! Oh, the, the yeah. disk system. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that existed. I was like, oh, interesting. Wow. Yeah, no, I love that stuff. That's great. I dig it. I dig it. Uh, well, that's going to do it, folks, for this episode of Peaks Chats. Um, thank you all very much for listening. Thank you again to Nick, and thank you to Magellan for being the rock to my hard place. And that is a damn fine podcast. Okay, so spoiler talk time. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the spoilers. If you're still listening, then you watched the first two seasons of Twin Peaks. Or you or don't you're care like about spoilers. Me and, yeah, and you just kind of 
pop around the wiki and you kind of know. Yeah. Okay. I don't care. Okay, yep. Nick, I, I have a question. Do you know who killed Laura Palmer? Yeah, in, in the same way of like um, Jim's description is very similar, okay. where I, I knew okay. the outline of it. Um, and I, you know, I kind of understand a little bit about Judy. Whoa, you know Judy stuff? Oh, I don't, I oh, don't know back Judy up, stuff. Back don't, it up. I don't know Judy stuff. Don't, don't, say, don't, anything. don't say anything about Judy stuff. Don't say anything about Judy stuff. Okay, that's fine. But you can talk sure. to me later. But, but you know, DM. but you know about uh, about Leland. the guy, Leland, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. Okay, about, okay. About that. So, because I, I was wondering in the first episode that we watched. We see Leland, like in a lonely way, dancing to this jazz music, and nobody will dance with him. Yeah. Um, and I was starting to wonder, at what point did the people writing the story know that Leland was the killer? Like, was that scene written to be just sort of a scene about like his grief overtaking him, or was that meant to? relate to him being the killer and it's not clear to me when the writers knew um or even when the actors knew because like, i think the actors obviously their portrayal is heavily influenced by what information they're given if it's not in the script they maybe do they sit them down to the side and say by the way so i so i did find out when the actors found out which was like right before they shot the scene where it was revealed that leland killed laura in season two so Ray Wise, the guy who plays Ben Horn, who they're setting up to potentially be the guy, and they shot like a whole scene, which we'll talk about when we get to that episode, but they shot a whole scene where it's like Ben is revealed as the killer and stuff. Oh. Yeah. Um, but Ray Wise, the guy who plays Ben, and the woman who plays Laura Palmer, David Lynch sat them all down, and he's like, okay, Leland's the killer. And they didn't know until then. Huh. Which is really strange because yeah like you're saying nick actors bring to their performances the things that they know um and so that makes it just strange to see all these leland scenes where he's acting odd and yeah but he must have had some like i said it's a question of the writers knew that that's what they're gonna do but like they maybe the writers kind of said or thinking oh he's tormented by grief well, but then I guess later, if we decide to make him tormented by some kind like of possession, yeah, or whatever. then it then it sense. it works either way, and we don't yeah. we don't have to tell him if True. we change our mind. True. So yeah, it worked both ways. Yeah, yeah this, it's not the first time that that there's been a tortured Leland on a dance floor. Um, <laughs> right, <And> not the <laughs> last another one. Yeah, exactly. There's another one later, mm-hmm. which I did gif way 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 back. God bless. But uh, yes, yeah. so this is a good. Uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to know. The Just, uh, Alan, can you? Is there anything on the Blu-ray set, like as far as like interviews with Lynch or anything like that? Uh, I haven't looked at the special feature stuff yet. There might be. The thing is that David Lynch is notoriously like when he even does do interviews, he's not like the kind of guy to be like, "Here's what I was thinking about the whole thing," because he hates doing shit like that. So it's yeah. unlikely. Okay. So I'll, it, I'll it's, it. It, even if there is an interview, it's, it's not going to be revealing that. Yeah. He's more likely to talk about Dune than. Than the, <laughs> yeah. the birth of Twin Peaks. Yeah. Um, okay. The only other question I had from the first episode that also ties to this one is: so we know that the one-armed man, we know that Mike had uh, a tattoo that said "Firewalk with me." Yep. What does that mean again? Okay. So good question. I'm the lore expert here, and I'm here to tell you that "Firewalk with me" is the poem that's used to enter the Black Lodge. First of all. 
Right. Uh, fire walk with me. It's I mean, so it, it being a poem means that like it's not a defined thing that's referencing something. But I always interpreted it as like let the darkness into your life, embody it, mm-hmm. inhabit it, dance with it, walk with it. The fire okay. is like the evil, the corruption, and all that stuff. It's like don't okay. don't don't block it out. Be inhabit it. You know. Okay. That I understand. The, the 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 brief description I I had seen about it was saying like the, the that it is a sign that someone's been you know touched by evil or yes. whatever it is yeah although because i like me watching the first time and him saying well did you have a tattoo on your arm what did it say and by, without knowing what it actually did say part of me was going to say is it going to be firewalk with me and then he starts going yeah. it's bad mom and i'm like hmm. well but i don't know <laughs> is he telling the truth i don't know because it doesn't make yeah. sense right. <laughs> it needs to be something else also he's not mike right now he's phil tried and Mike is the spirit inside of Philip Gerard. <laughs> okay, just like but he doesn't like, seem to be—he doesn't seem to be torturing him the same way that like Bob tortures. He does sometimes. Leland. He is sometimes. Bob is the spirit inside of Leland. Mike is the spirit inside of Philip Gerard. It, it's weird to me that Mike and Philip Gerard look the same. They but do, Bob, do they not? No, we just never see what Mike looks like. We don't know what Mike looks like. There's no there's okay. no depiction of him. He's always in Philip's body in the show. So, okay. Okay. There's no 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 other image to draw from. No one's ever seen like a vision of him in the same way that they see visions of Bob. Exactly. I guess. I yeah. see. Okay. Sure. Uh you had asked in your notes who the woman that Cooper is referring to in the gun range scene is. Yeah. Yeah. Do we ever learn he's talking about like an old relationship that seemed to not go so well? Yeah, we do learn who that is. Um it's in the return. Okay, I'll uh, we'll talk about it. It's not like a okay. huge thing, um, but yeah, it's it's that that person you'll you'll realize who that is. Hank, just every bad thing in season two surrounds Hank. This is why I personally hate hate Hank so much. He's like the assassin for the show. He was yes. the one hired to kill Andrew kill Martell. The... Okay, that's what I thought. Yep, but it doesn't work, and Andrew's alive and like hiding in a house somewhere. Oh, what the fuck! I forgot about that. Also, like the the like Josie's family <sighs> come to try to take her back to Hong Kong. The Josie stuff gets so stupid that the only thing they can possibly do with her is put her into a doorknob. I forgot about that. They gonna. I sorry to break it to you, but you're gonna get to Josie getting <laughs> turned into a doorknob. Oh my god, this show is so stupid. Yeah, it's <laughs> I can't stop watching it though. I say, <laughs> oh my god! Okay, all yeah. right, all right, all right. So don't expect that either the Hank or the Josie stuff to get better. It only gets worse. I yes. think the, the doorknob stuff makes more sense given the whole of Twin Peaks, but it's not good. It's super dumb and looks terrible. But yeah. how much do you guys want to do like what if rewrites? Like, if you could change anything, would it be mm-hmm. Josie's not from Hong Kong and just have her be some other local? Well, like just to get rid of it, shy away from that weird aspect of it, or does it actually have some payoff? I, I, I think it's less a problem of like who the character is and more so a problem for a lot of the characters, like where the narrative is centered. Because if you were to really tell the story of this woman who grew up in Hong Kong and then was, you know, swept off her feet by this businessman guy or however they met and now she's living in twin peaks and treated in the way that she's treated and and treated like an outsider and constantly sort of paranoid about like yeah what are these people gonna do to me that that's like a 
compelling and interesting story. And that's there in the substance of who Josie Packard is. Um, but instead the show wants to have the camera look at her like, Oh, look at this foreign beauty. And Oh, she doesn't know what idioms are. Yeah. Come on. We could do that better. And Wait. she's so, she looks so beautiful and innocent and we need to, uh, the sheriff just feels compelled to protect her. Like it's that innocent women tropes. Yeah, like that innocent, beautiful girl, like uh, they just want to attach to and then take care of. Like it's playing into that trope more. I guess that's more the issue than anything about yeah. where she's from. Yeah, and the and the issue with the show is that like uh, one of the big points is that everybody's treating Laura Palmer like that, and the show is saying they shouldn't do that because that's erasing. That's probably a better take on it, though. I guess right because yeah. you see how it was so wrong. Yeah. yeah, but then the show turns around and does that with a bunch of its other female characters and is not as critical of it which is annoying can i read you the first paragraph of josie's wiki page sure um josie all of her backstory stuff is filled out in those really dumb but probably interesting mark frost books like the secret history of twin peaks and the final yeah. mystery of those ones this is from the secret history of twin peaks josie was born lee chun fung in guangzhou province to a high-ranking red pole enforcer in the su wong triad and a beautiful prostitute known as lace butterfly who died shortly oh thereafter from a heroin overdose. God. Her father became deputy mountain master of the largest triad in the region. Like, come oh on. My God. Come oh, on. It's Mark yeah. Frost. It's Mark Frost, you guys. I can't blame all at all, at all on David Lynch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because I think we all, we always assume more of a Lynchian yeah. control. But there is there are other people, obviously. And that, those books are 100% written by Mark. So, like, it's, you know, it gets, that's where the dumb stuff comes. A lot of the dumb stuff mm. comes from. But I wanted more invitation to love. That's all I wanted. You know, That's good. Invitation, it's not all Is there bad. an invitation love to love uh, uh, encyclopedia or something that he writes? There is a wiki page where you can like read all of them. I saw the wiki page. Yeah, I did see that. But yeah. otherwise, it no, gives you the timeline. Mm-hmm. That's what I got. Season yeah, two is going to be so dumb. I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, thanks, everybody. Thank you again, Nick. And we are out. Bye-bye.